Several years ago, a nonprofit journalism group, ProPublica, created an online questionnaire to gather patient stories of what errors occurred and where and how they were handled. Then Johns Hopkins School of Medicine analyzed the first year of those stories, a total of 236 cases, to see what themes emerged. The results of that joint study were published in the Journal of Patient Safety. ProPublica reporter Marshall Allen told me about the findings. The main findings were that about one in 10 patients who have been harmed even has that harm voluntarily acknowledged by the medical provider or the medical facility. And then only about one in 10 also receives an apology. And in about a third of the cases, the patients were also billed for the harm they suffered. And the average bill uh, that they reported, or the average cost that they reported having to pay was about $14,000. So the harm is not being acknowledged. uh, It's not being apologized for. And in many cases, the patients are also getting billed for it. So the theories behind why no apologies... You know, there's a lot of theories about that. I mean, one is that medical providers are afraid of lawsuits, and so they think that, you know, if they show any um, remorse or acknowledgement uh, or apologizing for the harm, it will be seen as some form of liability, and so they don't apologize. The trouble with that line of reasoning is that there's a lot of evidence out there now that shows that when doctors or hospitals apologize for what's happened, it actually decreases the amount of lawsuits that are filed, and it also decreases the amount that gets paid in lawsuits. So I think that's a, it's an unfounded fear, but I think that's one of the main fears. It's also just a very awkward thing to talk about. You know, I mean, these medical injuries and errors, they're not, you know, these are not maliciously done things. I mean, there may be a surgical error or a hospital-acquired infection. It's not like the intent of anybody in the healthcare system is, generally speaking, the intent is not to harm. The intent is to help people. Uh, but when things are not done well or when mistakes are made, then, of course, people get harmed. Now, did you collect any documentation that these respondents were actually harmed, or were you just taking their word for it? Well, you know, it's a self-reported questionnaire, so that's pretty obviously a limitation of it. I mean, you have to say, well, these are people who self-reported this. And the the information that was used in this study um, did not include contacting any of the people or obtaining any documentation. So on the Johns Hopkins side with the study they did, they just took the self-reported information that was in our questionnaire. On our side, there's a lot of these stories that we follow up on for our own journalism or we share stories with other media outlets. Again, this is always with the permission of the patient who shared their information. And with dozens of them, I've followed up with them. I've gotten their medical records. If I ever write a story about any of these folks, I always contact the medical providers and get their side of the story. We have a lot of things uh, like medication errors, a lot of surgical errors, lots of uh, hospital-acquired infections which don't necessarily sound that bad until you actually talk to someone who's had one. And those are life-threatening infections that cause days or weeks of follow-up in the hospital. And then also those are infections that can stay with someone for a lifetime. You can become more susceptible to the infection recurring. So it's really, really devastating uh, injuries and infections and errors that these patients are suffering. Any particular story or stories that really you think illustrate the common patient experience after a medical error occurs? Any ones that really yeah. kind of stick in your mind? Sure. I mean, there's there are several. I mean, one uh, that I uh, for a woman I talked to named Carol LaRocca in Las Vegas. I remember she got a surgical side infection after 
a procedure, a routine procedure she had in the hospital. And, you know, unfortunately, she was a Medicare patient, but her Medicare uh, coverage did not cover the type of antibiotic that she needed to recover from the infection. And so she got billed about $5,000 to pay for these antibiotics she needed to treat the infection that she picked up in the hospital. And this is an older woman living on a fixed income. She didn't have enough money to pay the bills, and so she got sent to collections and had collectors uh, hounding her <laughs> to pay for the medication that she needed to treat the infection that she unfortunately got while she was in the hospital. That's a pretty common thing. You know, um, the hospitals uh, or the doctors will say, well, you can't prove that you got the infection in the hospital. And so, therefore, um, they just stick the patient with the bill or the patient's insurance company. So I would say that's probably the most common, only because infections are the most common problem. The CDC estimates that 100,000 people a year die due to hospital-acquired infections. So it's, it's happening to a huge number of people out there. And it seems like a lot of attention is being paid. I mean, each state reports the preventable medical errors that happened every year. There's a big push uh, to make hospitals more accountable for these errors and not charge the patients if they get readmitted too early. Do you see any changes since you've been interested in this story? You know, definitely you do, but it's still, I would say, a lot of it is very much on the surface. You know, they still are not tracking all the cases where people get harmed while undergoing health care. So just take something like knee replacements and hip replacements. I mean, those happen uh, probably about a million times a year in this country. Someone gets a knee replacement or a hip replacement, and uh, they're not really tracking the outcomes of how these patients are doing. They're not really tracking how many of them suffer infections, uh, how many have to get readmitted, some places are tracking it, some places are not. So it is sort of alarming. There, there are good things happening, and there's certainly more awareness of it, but it's also alarming to see actually how little is done in terms of tracking the harm to patients. I'm speaking with Marshall Allen, a reporter for the ProPublica organization who covers health care and patient safety. You're still requesting people to fill out the questionnaire. Do you see an increase in interest after you've publicized this round of findings? You know, this latest story um, showed kind of what we're doing with the questionnaire. Um, and, you know, there are researchers at Johns Hopkins and other institutions who are obtaining the data from us. Again, this is only with permission from the patients who have shared it. We don't, we don't share anything that patients don't want us to share. So our patient harm questionnaire can be found online. You can just Google ProPublica patient harm questionnaire. But we really are urging people to, uh, to complete it, and it helps us with our journalism. Um, as we identify these trends, we'll continue to write about them. It helps us identify individual patient stories to follow up on. And then again, I think maybe even the most important part is that when medical researchers can study it, then they can produce academic research that shows up in the medical journals and then that's getting the information to the audience that needs to hear it the most in a manner that communicates clearly to them, you know, through the, meta, through the academic journals. And it has a lot more credibility that way, too. Well, Marshall Allen, thank you so much for doing this and for talking with us today. Thank you. And again, I just urge people to please uh, fill out that questionnaire. It would be a huge help to us. And I really appreciate you having us on your show. Marshall Allen is a reporter with the ProPublica organization, which covers health care and patient safety. We'll put more information on our website. You can find it by going to soundmedicine.org.